Good evening, Patriots. Today is the end of Wednesday, June 21st in the year 2023. I'm going to go through a little bit of 1 Peter tonight, a passage that seems very relevant to a time which we're in. Artificial intelligence is one of those things that's continuing to grow. I'm just reading, actually just going through a piece a little bit ago. It's pretty shocking. It's... um has to do with the influenceability of artificial intelligence. So if you ever watch Sean Webb, or I'm sorry, Sean Ryan, he's speaking to a guy by the name of Sean Webb. And this is a piece that's pretty shocking. I'll just say it because it's uh, crazy times in which we live for sure. Crazy times. One thing though, patriots, is that you will never have a problem sleeping as long as you have the right products like great pillows like the MyPillow 2.0 to sleep on. MyPillow 2.0 uses the new heat regulating thread. It's fantastic. I'm totally sold on it. And they also have mattress toppers of the same. And they're just a fantastic product. This makes your sleep so much better. Now, MyPillow has other things than that, but that's like its Vanguard new product. And I know when it came out, the first thing I did was to get a bunch of them. And I'm super happy with them. So the MyPillow 2.0, that's what you're after. MyPillow 2.0. And you can find that when you go over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. And you check that out. They've got the uh, MyPillow 2.0. And it's, it's right now a buy one, get one free, which is fantastic. And then if you use your Bards promo code, B-A-R-D-S, all sorts of great savings on that. And then while you're there, you can check out all sorts of other great things. They've got sales galore going on, which is no surprise. Like the six-piece MyPillow towel set, which is still on sale for $29.98. Just a great set of towels. If you don't use the MyPillow towels, you do not know what you're missing. Good stuff. So head on over to MyPillow.com mypillow.com forward slash bards b-a-r-d-s check out the great savings you'll see right at the top there on that page is the my pillow 2.0 and the my mattress topper 2.0 which is both are just fantastic and then while you're there you can check out all the other great things like the bed sheet sale and the six-piece towel set and of course the all-season slippers that are on sale and on and on and on you will not be missing anything other than a good night's sleep if you don't get... Let me rephrase that. You will be missing a lot if you don't buy that. You won't get a good night's sleep. But you won't be missing out on anything at any of the stores if you buy at MyPillow.com. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You will be so happy, I'm telling you. All right, I want to begin with this um, pretty neat passage. I always find it interesting how in this day we come... I come across passages and it's just like I'm reading them in real time. It's like the Bible, we know the Bible's written you know the time of Jesus and yet as we read this tonight which is I'm reading 1 Peter 4:12 and then on to the to I guess it's 19. You'd think this thing was written like today. So listen to this. It says beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test you, that is to test the quality of your faith, 
as though something strange or unusual were happening to you. But insofar as sharing Christ's sufferings, keep on rejoicing so that when his glory filled with his radiance and splendor is revealed, you may rejoice with great joy. If you are insulted or reviled for bearing the name of Christ, you are blessed, happy with life, joy, and comfort in God's salvation, regardless of your circumstances, because the spirit of the glory and of God is resting on you. I need to reread that. I think I made a mistake. If you are insulted and reviled for bearing the name of Christ. So in other words, if people are looking at you going, what is wrong with you? Kind of like, you know, pretty much most places in the United States these days. Because the spirit and glory of God is resting in you and indwelling you, he, he whom they curse, you glorify. Make sure that none of your sufferers are murder or a thief, or any sort of criminal in response to persecution, or as a troublesome meddler interfering in the affairs of others. But if anyone suffers ill treatment as a Christian because of his belief, he is not to be ashamed, but to be, but is to glorify God because he is considered worthy to suffer in his name. For it is the time destined for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will it the outcome for those who do not respect or believe or obey the gospel of God? And if it is to and it if is if it is difficult for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the godless and the sinner? Therefore, those who are ill treated and suffer in accordance with the will of God must continue to do right and commit their souls for the safekeeping to the faithful Creator. There's that word creator, just like our founding fathers use that word. All rights are given to us by our creator. But if we listen to that today, they will tell you the creator means it could be anything. It could be Gaia. It could be, it could be the one, the great one. It could be the holy. It could be the, I don't know what else they call it. There's about a thousand different names. There's only one God. But the thing is that the, what has happened in this pluralization of our world is that everything has become exceedingly difficult to discern for those that don't walk firmly in the the footsteps of Christ. So where are we right now? I think is a question worth asking in a time of extreme chaos. We're watching a constant movie. And unfortunately, we've been highly conditioned as a culture, all of us to one degree or another, that we are supposed to just sit and wait for something. I had a very interesting revelation happen. It was yesterday when I was driving around. It was powerful. And it really kind of shook me in the way that I look at the world. And that doesn't happen very often. So that kind of gives you the magnitude of what I saw. And I got a chance to see the world through the eyes of war angels, Michael, that sort of focus that had the blessing of God, that were under the control of Jesus. And let me tell you, it, it shook me because it, it really did set me to sit back and say, wow, we have missed so much. 
I have often referred to the Bible as a field manual for war. And the scriptures prove that to me. When we go from Old Testament to New Testament, it's constantly about fighting off this evil. But what was very clear in this vision was the intensity of right and wrong, the absolute righteousness in this fire of what was right and what you did with it versus what was wrong and what you did to it. And the problem we have, in my opinion, what has happened over this period of time of developing a milk toast faith is it's an easy path for most people because what all these indications, when we say like this, this passage here in 1 Peter 4.18, and if it is difficult for the righteous to be saved, where do we hear that in, in church? Where do we hear that it is difficult for the righteous to be saved? And then the next question, what will become of the godless and the sinner? That doesn't resonate, not in any pulpit that you know or I know, that they're telling you that the righteous, it's difficult for the righteous to be saved. You're going to hear this. Once you're saved, you're not going to hell. This is something to contemplate. And what I received yesterday in this vision was enormously powerful to those ends. And what it was showing me was that if we were truly living into the Holy Spirit, there would be a very decisive action and line and war against this evil that is going after the children, the elderly, and for that matter, everybody of faith. There would be a righteous army on the front lines, which we will call the warriors, and there would be ranks and of soldiers behind them, supporting them in this fight to make sure this fight was successful. There is a true evil in this world, and these soldiers are mighty. They're, they're able to heal. They're able to have compassionate approaches to people that need assistance, but their focus is clear. Their focus is on an enemy that's trying to rape, kill, steal, and destroy. And as this vision went on for the moment, what it showed is how corrupted we have become to where we literally are praying to God to do this for us and not taking accountability and responsibility for the life that we walk. We are all going to be held accountable. And this weighs heavy on me. We are all going to be held accountable for the world in which we live in. Nations shall be judged. And while we are each held accountable for how we walk in kingdom, the nation as a whole is what we will be judged on as well in this life. And that means that when we're sitting here trying to, and I am saying this happens a great deal, people are trying to rationalize. It's like, okay, I'm finally starting to get a feel that there's a stronger strength in faith and I need to, I'm feeling good about maybe stepping out. My goodness. That, that's probably what I'd say one of the most confusing issues for the cloud of witnesses to figure out, like, what is wrong with you all? 
Do you not understand who you are and what you represent? You are the children of the Most High. And we so diminish God in so many ways. We, we diminish him and we diminish Jesus in so many ways. Yes, Jesus walked as a human, but we still diminish him. We're, we're like, okay, well, God, you know, it's tough, God. God, I need you to help me get, and it's, yes, we have a compassionate God. But so much of our prayers even are about us, me, what I'm suffering through. And at the same time, we're being divided. And this is a mighty God. This is a God that blasted Sodom and Gomorrah. This is something like I've talked about before. And since most of you at this point have seen, either we're at Bards Fest or you hopefully have seen it online if you weren't, Joe Vega, Sergeant Major Joe Vega. I want to put this in context of something. This is a big man, by the way. He always reminds me that I don't work out enough. This is a ferocious warrior. As he says, if you do 100%, do 50% more. It's always about going further. And there's also another thing. You never accept anything other than total victory. Now, I tell you these things because you've heard me say them. And it's part of who I am. It's part of who I've always been. But you don't accomplish great things by being compromising in your life. And when you add this in a, in a just a performance of your life, so whether it's sports or whether it's business or whether it's art or whether it's your garden or what it, whether it's baking or working with cattle or whatever you're doing, woodworking, welding, everything we do, we should be striving to be the greatest we can be, pushing ourselves at every limit. I'm not comparing myself to others. I'm looking at a standard of what greatness is in anything I do, and I want to be better than that, everything I touch. And that's the way we all should be. So I'm using this as a very important context because in this life, in this world, that's how we should be approaching everything. And when we approach everything with it, suddenly the things that are worthless, we get rid of pretty quick. Wasting time doing frivolous things starts to fall out. And we all go through ebbs and flows. Don't get me wrong. We're not, nobody's perfect. But the overall attitude in life is to be the greatest you can be in every single thing you touch. And to constantly strive to being greater than that. So that's that extra 50%. Now we apply that to our faith. And we go into our faith and we read scripture and we study scripture and we live scripture and we bring those two things together, this massive striving for accomplishment and this reaching towards the highest levels we can and then pursuing that love and intimacy in Christ. And so then I go back to these words, which is 1 Peter 4.18. And if it is difficult for the righteous to be saved, profound. You see, things aren't easy. And yet we get very casual in our relationship with God. And, and where I'm going back to this vision is in this moment, this snapshot that I was shown, I'm telling you, it was bone chilling in a positive way for me. For others, it would probably be crippling. Because it was bone chilling and the intensity and focus. It was like I stepped into the world that I've been in a few times and everything is clear. 
There's absolute understanding that there is a right and a wrong. And there's no, you're not giving a latitudes here. Somehow we, we humanize and even dehumanize Christ to a degree that's, that we, we try to make it seem like he's just, as I say so many times, he's like the limp-wristed dirty hippie. Oh, it's just love. I'm going to stick some petals in your hair and I'm going to sprinkle patchouli everywhere. That's not Jesus. And then when you read Revelation and you realize how he returns as a lion, then you say, that's Jesus. Always was, always is. Folks, we have an intense moment in our lives. This is a a time right now when we are truly being tested and refined. And these difficult moments, as is said here in, in Peter 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal, the fiery ordeal, which is taking place to test you, the fiery ordeal. That's what this world is right now, a fiery ordeal. And so it goes on to remind us that we need to continue to love each other, to be that person that as we suffer, we don't develop vengeance. That's kind of the key. That's, I'm adding that word. And in this modern day, when you say those things, then what that translates to is weakness. Meek becomes weak. And this love becomes tear out your spine. And if you're a man, castrate yourself. And so we all, there, there's this image from the pulpit and that's what I call the skinny jean spineless pulpit. That's what we end up with. That's not heaven. And I don't have any sense that that's who God is. I think that if we, if any one of us right now was before God, we would just be dropped to our knees and just, it would be a trembling moment of intensity because we would experience Yes, there would be love. And this is what people try to, will try to say. Well, there's going to be so much love, it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be a heck of a lot more than that. You're going to understand that you can't even get close to the throne unless there's a whole bunch of stuff in your life that you may have been hiding, that you've done. There's going to be this heavy sense of burden of the things that we failed to do and the lack of intensity and spine which we've lived into, which we were expected to do as the sons and daughters of the Most High. And I don't want to be one of those that ends up thinking they're like, Lord, I don't even know if I'm worthy to be here in heaven because that's not what I'm intending. My striving in my place is that I know whom I serve. And it's very clear to me. And I know that when I, I am look at my life and I say, okay, Lord, here's some things that I know that I have to improve upon and I'm going to drive after those. But I'm, All of that is for refining me to be more intense in front of that enemy, to be clear. Because when I face that enemy, that enemy is going after every single crack, every single hesitation, every single flaw that I've put in my life. And the more demonic you deal with, the more intensely that attack is going to come. Because if you're hanging on to things, if you have those weaknesses... They're going to end up being exploited by an enemy to wear you down, break you down, and for some people, leave them in states of fear or remission or submission, which is even worse. 
that is not how we were supposed to live. And so we have to make these choices now. And, and frankly, these choices really are choices we should be making. We should have been making all of our life. I think for the moment of where we are, it becomes more evident as to the reason and logic of what's before us. And so we make good choices, hopefully. Before I go on, one thing that to be very aware of right now is these psychopaths that we're dealing with are definitely trying to tear this world apart. And part of tearing this world apart is putting before us things that can be extremely threatening to the lifestyles we have. Whether we like it or not, we are all dependent on electronics and electrical devices. That's the modern world in which we are in. And that's one of those great things and reasons why we have EMP Shield, empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, get 50% or $50 off. These products are amazing. I have them on the ATV, the vehicle, the house. I'm adding one for the generator. And they are just, they're the best of designed devices to absorb an EMP. And it's all levels of EMP, just so you're clear. That's EMP level one, two, and three, all phases, which includes lightning protection, solar flares, and man-made EMPs. And they're, they're tested at the best labs in the country. It's just military grade. So head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, and you'll be very happy you did. This is a very inexpensive insurance policy for your home, your vehicles, and the things that are, are critical. And we just don't know what's coming. That's the problem with this fight we're in. We don't know what they're going to pull out of our pocket, and they want to lull us to sleep and make us believe that we're all going to be okay, that the wind will just blow it all by, which is not true. So again, check out EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, for 50% off. And for right now, there's an additional 10% off site-wide, which is continuing since Memorial Day. So it's worth getting them now. It's a great sale, great product, great customer service all the way around. You won't be disappointed. And it's all American-made. EMPShield.com, promo code BARDS. All right, so where we are in this moment in time is we are faced with some very important decisions of how we walk in faith. And this runs against a lot of conditioning that people have had in the church. And I run into it a lot because I get a lot of the the focus only want to pray into things and not do. And the idea somehow that, you know, there has to be this compassion for everything. The problem when we do we become compassionate about everything, loving everything, is you cease to have a hard line of what is right and what is wrong. We can pray into having, for example, a pedophile and a transgender having an experience with Jesus or the Holy Spirit to bring them to their knees and cause them to repent. I can pray into that, no problem. That's a form of warfare. But if I'm going to deal with them in my life or they're going to be developing policies or they're going to be going after kids, sure, I'll pray for them. But in the interaction in the physical world, there is a line that cannot be crossed. And we cannot continue to give this elastic space of, well, okay, okay, okay. I mean, this is what has happened. And I'm there's a church here locally 
that usually doesn't get involved in politics. This is in my town. And I mentioned this a while back, that there was a deputy at the sheriff's department that refused to sign the transgender policies for the prisoners, and ultimately our sheriff fired him. And the sheriff's position was that he was trying to stay prevent a lawsuit from coming to the county, which other counties have been sued for up to a million dollars. Now, I'm openly not, I've given grace, mercy, whatever, given some temperance, I use all sorts of different words on it, for the sheriff trying to understand the complicated situation he's in. But at the end of the day, I don't support his position because it doesn't get us anywhere in this fight, especially since the transgender movement ultimately represents the pedophile movement. Well, the one thing about this church that I'm going to give them a lot of credit for, for a church that typically doesn't get involved in politics, they brought that deputy after he was fired in on staff to now be their outreach person for political issues in the city and in the county and to speak boldly against transgender issues. Good score on that church. That's warfare. And they're drawing a line. And they're not afraid of the flack they're going to get. We have to start approaching things this way. We cannot be giving all the time like we constantly do. And this elastic sense of who we are creates an perpetual nightmare for everything that we live in because it just continues to grow. And I'm going to play a short piece here. And this piece is literally, if the devil was talking today. And I don't know who the character is that's playing this. Somebody's got some really crazy makeup that looks like the devil. Pretty awful, too. But anyway, this the title of the piece is If the Devil Spoke Today. Take a listen to this. If the devil spoke today. I've convinced half of the world to not only accept sin, but to celebrate it. Do you know what has been my most enjoyable pride campaign to date? No, what? Well, my gay pride campaign, of course. Not only do I get the chance to promote your own self-destruction, I get to use God's logo, the rainbow, to do it. Love is love, right? <laughs> My plan not only prevents you worthless humans from reproducing, it distorts the gender roles and allows me to bring all types of chaos and confusion upon your pathetic societies. This has been so successful, I've got men convinced they're women. And women convinced they're men. And some convinced they had no gender at all. And I've got two more pride initiative campaigns I'd like to introduce in the near future. And second is pedophilia pride. Now, society might not be ready for this one just yet, so we'll hold off. You don't think that's going to happen? It's on the docket. Pedophilia pride is coming. And the only way it's going to stop is if we are drawing that hard line. And that's literally back to this vision that I had. Let me tell you, there was no compromise in this. This was an active war in this snapshot of this moment. And, God, and I'm, I'm just convinced it was God giving me this vision. It was too intense, too real. And I just, I felt I wanted so much just to walk into that space and say, I live here, not here. Because this world that I live in, it's constantly just this rollover, rollover of I'm suffering. I need to do something. I don't know if I can do that. Oh, I've got to pray on this. I don't know. I'm going to hesitate. Damn it. We've got an evil that's on the march. 
And we're so hesitant as a culture to step in and say enough. The men still trying to figure out which way is left and right, let alone up. The women trying to balance the family and trying to step into this and trying to keep things together. I mean, we're messed up. Let's be real. And at the same and at the same time, the children are getting slaughtered. Where is where does this go? I mean, kids are being put into public schools right now, and they're many. Some of these public schools are literally putting VR goggles on them, and they're spending part of the day on VR goggles. What are they seeing? The piece I just started listening to, which I have not finished yet, but it's again, it was, it's by Sean Webb. I'm sorry, with Sean Ryan, and it is Sean Webb speaking. I did that hair twice. What he talks about is the ability for AI to provide the, this, the granularity of information for each one of us to be emotionally influenced, to provoke an emotional response, but to do this on a level of a global interaction of anybody that has a cell phone or, better yet, a VR device. Now, think about what I just said. AI has developed a level right now where it can, at a granular level, provide each one of us with targeted information to provoke a response. Now, you say, what type of response is that? Well, let's say something like each one of us needs to sell a stock or pull our money out of the bank or that we're each being driven to make a choice to buy something or we're each being driven, made a choice to go somewhere. Those are simple behavior modifications, easy to make with AI providing enough impetus. So what's happening to the children? There's a 4,200% increase in some schools of children calling themselves bi. Why is that? Is it because it's what's in the water, which is what Alex Jones originally suggested, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. just reinforced, that there's chemicals in the water that come from agriculture that that will turn frogs gay? Maybe. But it's more than that. There's frequency issues going on here. The children are being influenced by their environments. And as a whole, we're sitting here on the side going, I don't know what to do. I've got to make dinner and I've got to get this going and that going. We need to be pulling every ourselves out of the system. And we need to be putting ourselves with the double-edged sword that we carry, the sword of steel and the sword of the spirit. And we need to be looking at this world that we are in in terms of walking in warfare as warriors, not passive. This enemy is unrestrained, and it's not stopping. I go through the web. It, it drives me nuts. I mean, people are wasting time. There was a piece I was going to play tonight, but the guy drops way too many F-bombs. But he's so on point. He talks about the stupid, retarded public, and I'm right there with him. People wasting time literally talking about this damn submarine that's supposed to have sunk under the ocean. Let's get some real issues here. There's no seats in that thing. Okay, I I just want you to think about this for a minute. There's no seats in this thing, supposedly. And yet as the submarine goes through, as it gets into the water, it's going to be jostled around and it's going to be hit by waves before it can go underneath the, the water. Okay, got it. Do you think they're going to do that okay? You think they might get bruised up a little bit? And then it goes lower. As it sinks down there, the pressure in there, there's no seats. There's nothing to hold people in place. 
It's all a scam. It's all made up. A, an Atari controller? They've made this entire show up to distract the world on something else that's really going on. I don't know what it is. You have Congress up here wasting our time with Durham, censoring Schiff, arguing about whether they're going to impeach Biden. This is one big, excuse my mouth, shit show right now going on completely. And the core of everything is centered around two pivotal issues that have to happen in this world. We have to reset account, personal accountability for the actions in which we take, and we have to reestablish our moral base, all of that built around the framework of moral law and our relationship in Christ. It is that simple as an equation for victory. And yet, here we are. The remnant has a such a critical role right now. And the remnant has to go to another level. Gideon started with thousands, ended up with 300. It was for the reason because God was sorting out those that had the heart to be able to obey and do and truly live in the way he needed them to live to fight. The others joined after Gideon's 300 did their first wave of action. But LGBTQ is planting flags. We're not planting many or any at times. That's Satan's army. They're changing the rules now. As you heard earlier tonight with the WHO, at least that was earlier today, the WHO is literally has a policy in place now that says that children will be introduced to sex education at birth and will be given the choice, the knowledge to make choices on sexual behavior on whether and to have a relationship with somebody by age four and that they expect most children by age nine to have had a sexual relationship. That's from the who. I don't know how much more plain we make this that this is war. And I'm going to tell you, I mean exactly what I'm going to say. If we finally had patriots that would stand up and start literally taking on a physical kinetic war against these people, I guarantee you, you're still going to heaven, probably with merit. Because you'd probably finally get something that said, well, at last you did something about it. We have to get past the sickening. We have to get past the prayers or the shock. We have to be able to put some of this in action. I'm going to pray aggressively every day. That's part of what I do. I'm going to pray like a warrior to have these things torn down. I believe in time we can develop the tools of the Holy Spirit that are so massive that as we reclaim our authorities, that sort of the spirit will be of steel, excuse me, will be of very little use. But I also know it's always going to be there. And I know that it's supposed to be there. And I know that we have to continue to do our work in this fight. We're, as a people, we're just not getting it. You know, there's two, there's two ways of looking at this world right now. One is that they are in panic, and they're, that's why they're moving so fast and in the open. That's one. But another view could be this, and this is not a good view. This is not one that will make you sleep well tonight. The other view is that they are in the open and doing all this at higher speed because they have been so successful at hurting the sheep the way they wanted to, and the sheep have been so willing to be herded by these evil shepherds. That's a truth. We have had people just 
willfully, wantingly put on these damn masks. There's still people walking around my town with a mask on. And they're, they're lost in the matrix. So we're coming to a, some, a very certain reality in our world. And it's the only way we are going to be able to move forward in the end of the day and ultimately reclaim things. And this is the hard one here. And this is something each person, I'm going to just encourage you to reflect on, pray on, but this is some hard, hard reality to face. Every person that took the injection and every person that wore the mask at one point in those phases would have been okay with letting others being forced to wear it or forced to be injected and furthermore would either have said nothing or would have been in agreement with having those people rounded up and put into camps. That is an absolute fact. And the problem with that fact that we don't want to face as a culture is that we don't, we're not demanding accountability for the state of mind in which people were. We're going to want to put a big ribbon around this and smear a bunch of vanilla frosting on it, and it's still going to be a poop sandwich underneath it. I don't care how much flavoring you put on on top of a pile of poo. When you cut that in there as a slice, it's still poo on the inside. And that's unfortunately what we have in our culture right now. People want to brush this under the rug. They want to get back to normal. They want to pretend that everything is going to be okay. And even if you have reveals of what this vax is, they're going to be like this. They're going to be like, yeah, boy, I'm telling you, I'm sure glad, sure glad I didn't get sick. And man, I'm, I'm glad I finally woke up. That's not going to be me because I'm going to be like, um, here, let me, let me have a, let's have a reality check here, brother. You took that damn vax. You were part of an accelerant part of the willful masses that tried to push this program that literally led to the near annihilation of humanity. You were part of that group. Not only were you part of that group, you would have said nothing had your family or your friends been rounded up. And even worse, you might have agreed that they needed to be rounded up to be injected. And then we've got to add this little line. And what that means is a couple of things that you need to start coming to face with. Number one, you, are, you committed a major sin in terms of your obligations to God because you denied him and you walked in fear. And just so we're clear, you acted in the same way that every person and under Hitler acted. You complied with tyranny and you promoted tyranny by your lack of action to do otherwise. You aren't a hero. It's not a good thing. You're, you're part of the call of people out here that literally led to the near destruction of humanity. You have atonement to make, an apology to make, and if you're going to be entered into heaven, if you're going to be one of those few that can make it, then you better get on your damn knees and start repenting immensely, immediately, and perpetually before the foot, before the foot of the throne and s- declare, de- declare your love in Jesus. See, I am not one that goes on this easy path stuff. God doesn't say that. It's, there's a difficult path and a, narrow, a wide gate and a narrow gate. And the narrow gate is the, is the difficult path. 
The wide gate is the easy path. And most churches, because they don't want to lose people in their pews, they want people to throw money in the offering plate, they end up preaching about the narrow gate and open the pathway to the wide gate within their, within their temples, the dead stone walls, because they don't want to do the hard work and call people out. Churches all over the country know that their congregations took this damn shot. Churches all over the nation didn't do anything to stand up boldly and tell them to knock it off. And churches all over the nation, even now when they know the truth about this shot, are not going to require their congregations to come before the throne and to plead their case for mercy and for repentance for turning their back on Jesus and their back on God during a critical time when they were supposed to walk without fear. That is what we have to have in order to restore this nation. We need bold pulpits. You have to be that guy, the one that everybody hates, that walks up in front of a congregation knowing that half or more of that congregation took a shot, knowing that the pastor was up there probably waving the flag going, we're going to have a shot clinic out here on the Saturday. You can all come in here and get your get your shot and get a free donut and then come on in to get a service, something like that. But don't forget to wear your mask. One of those. You've got to be the guy, the hammer, that walks up there and says, y'all are going to hell. Every damn one of you is going to hell. This church, in fact, should be burned down by heaven right now for the way in which it was shepherded. And if y'all don't believe me, then you need to read Ezekiel 34. Remember that the shepherds will be judged first, and then God will, will shepherd his flock, and then he will make his decision of judgment between each sheep to one another. People have to be called out on these things. And I'm saying all this because all of this is about living in the intensity of the faith. It's never been easy. It's never been soft. It's never been milk toast. It's never been a marshmallow pew. It never was intended to be. And it's not just because COVID, it changed. All that happened in COVIDCon was we finally woke up to realize how bad our churches were. But it's always been an intense faith. Never in there did it say, you can have butt sex and it's okay. You can cut off your balls and it'll be okay. You can cut off a young girl's breasts and it'll be okay. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say in times of fear, you can cow down and, and comply with the state and take a bioweapon in your arm and then turn to God and go, sorry, it's all better now. We each have our challenges of living that path in Christ. It is an unbelievably difficult walk to make. But nowhere in this walk did it ever say, it will be easy, folks. Don't worry about it. Today, you can get everything you need over at Walmart. And we've got an we've got a Kmart open right now. And if you get over to Kmart real quick, we've got a blue light special going on in aisle five, and it's all going to be good for you. And on the way home, you can get Subway for two for one. And McDonald's has got refillable coffees for 99 cents. So it's all good. Give all, all that out there. And today's your day off for heaven. We don't do it that way. Faith is not like one day on, one day off. And we, if we had lived with that intensity, we had lived with the fire of the pulpit, we had lived with strong, powerful pastors, we had lived with the church being the place where the huddle is and the game is out in the world, 
if we had lived with that sort of intensity in our heart, the burning, burning desire for Jesus, that intense pursuit to find our Savior, to have a personal relationship with him, to seek the face of God, if we had seen this, if we had lived this way our whole lives as a nation, we wouldn't be where we are today. Satan would have no room. Satan would have no place. Satan be gone would be a statement we would live by. My mom said something tonight. It was amazing. Two things. When I brought up the fact that I came across a video the other day. If I can find it, I'll play it tomorrow. It was a black and white video. It was done in the 50s. Warning people about homosexuals. Oh, this is going to be unpopular. Trust me, if somebody's a homosexual in here, they're going to be like, I can't believe you. Don't worry, it's documentable. It was done in the 50s. They warned us about homosexuals. What did they warn us about? That they become groomers of kids. This was a like a teaching video done for schools, black and white, 50s. My mom added something tonight. It was interesting how even being divorced when they were when she was young and they were living, her and her girlfriends were living together. They had, there was a guy they met, and in fact, they found out he was divorced, and it's like, whoa, we can't date him. It was a big deal. This, the sanctity of marriage was true. You didn't date people that were married. You didn't date people that were dating others. You didn't divorce. And you sure as heck didn't bring your gayness into the world. Look where we are today. Couples that are doing marriages, open marriages, marrying two and three polymorphs or whatever they call themselves, three, four, five people. I don't know. It's crazy. You have people getting pooping. You have kids pooping in the litter box because they want to be a cat. You have the dude from one of the universities that just got caught in the park having sex with his dog. I mean, this is what happens when a society is engineered to work off of no moral base. And guess what, folks? Here it is, as simple as it gets. Satan is laughing his butt off and reminding God that, you see... You see, I was right all along. Well, Satan, I'm just going to say it to you tonight. Piss off. Because you're not going to get to me and you're not going to get to this core of remnant. And we're going to fight for kingdom. And we're going to remind you, no matter what you do, of the walk of Job. I'm so sick of this nonsense. And we have got to be as strong as these examples to lead others through the difficult times. This is unacceptable as a nation. We are A nation cannot stand when it becomes morally devoid, degenerate, bankrupt like we are now. And the only way back is to have a strong core, a remnant that will stand vigilantly at the wall, will fight incessantly for what is right, to fight and walk in the way of Jesus and to be relentless about it and to be forward about it and to be in the face of evil and to be aggressively wonderful in the light of kingdom. Sometimes that truly is compassionate love of helping another. And sometimes it is direct and painful truths that you are dropping right into something to challenge somebody for their moral bankruptcy. I don't want to hear any more conversation in my life. I don't seek it. I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to put up with this thing. It's like I was born gay. No, you weren't born gay. You weren't born lesbian. 
and you sure as heck weren't born transgender. You might be confused. That would be a process of probably poor education and bad parenting. Or maybe you just have a mental disorder that needs some needs some like healing with Jesus. But I will tell you right now, what you were born and influenced with were, were demons that are leading you astray. And if you cast those demons out, you would find yourself repenting for your lifestyle and returning to the moral way of life under the banner of Jesus and at the humility of the feet of Father God. And at the mercy of... at the hand of all of this are our children that cannot defend themselves. Our mission is great. Big, great, grand, glorious, and intense. It is a war. It always has been. And if we aren't going to live into that mightiness of understanding what moral righteousness is in our life, then we are little more than the milk toasts of so many churches. We have to stop being that way and be bolder in our walk. Because I guarantee the time when we are finally have to face judgment, which we all should be looking forward to. Because we should be looking forward to it because we are know that we do, we're doing everything within our power of living within kingdom and we're opening our hearts to anything more that God wants us to do. And at that time, and as we move through our life and we're constantly repenting and seeking out repentance, even for things that we don't understand that we did, to learn, to refine, to be greater in the Holy Spirit, to be greater as the children of the Most High, to be greater in the authorities given to us by Jesus. There, right there. That's the mission. And that means that we are doing the job of everything within our power to protect the little ones. We are doing everything in our power to listen to Father God, obey. He's never asked for perfection. That's why he gave us repentance. He's asked for us to give him his, our heart in true commitment of all that we do. and to live with him, through him, and for him in every breath that we make. But I'm just going to say this last before we close. If you are one of those that's a pacifist, it does not believe that there's any more violence left because after Jesus came, somehow that all magically went away. I'm going to tell you to go back and start from Genesis and go through the whole thing again. And then I'm going to tell you to go up and look at pictures of the children that have gone through these transgender surgeries and tell me violence on on innocence is gone and somehow doesn't need to be worried about. The kingdom is taken by violence and violent men take it by force. We need to spark up that warrior heart, light those righteous fires. And understand that this is truly a massive war ahead of us here. It is a burden for all of us to carry, a heavy one if your heart is open to it right now, of the pain and the agony of these children. It leaves us tired. It leaves us heavy. Because it's real. Because we're feeling heaven right now. But we also have to be greater than that. 
And it's through that relationship we have with Father, the love we have in Jesus, that those burdens can be lifted. But it doesn't mean we extinguish the fire. It means as those burdens are lifted, that fire gets more intense and more mighty. Lean into the authorities that are given. Discipline yourself every day to practice them, use them, work with Father on them, become better at them. And equally, don't ever put down your sword of spirit, your sword of steel. This world is ugly. Know what you're going to get into. Understand that what's before us. I'm not going to be the one. I'm just going to close here. I'm not going to be the one that's going to be like, oh, you're a pedophile. You're just, I just found you're diddling a kid. Sure, I'll give you forgiveness. Screw that. I'm going to do it. It's not going to be, you've got about a half a second to accept Jesus before I kick your ass before the throne because you're going to get there. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to let God finish you. These poor children of this nation and this world, I just, my heart breaks because all it would take is the mighty men and women of God to simply say, that's enough. We have the numbers, we have the might, we have the arms, and we have the authorities. This garbage would end yesterday. Let's pray. Father, tonight my heart's heavy. I'm going to speak from me tonight. And I, for all those that are going to join in prayer, just please listen and confirm if you will or however you're comfortable with. But Father, my heart's heavy tonight. It's heavy because of the pain and suffering that continue to go on in this world for our children. It's heavy because we have this thing won. Christ gave us victory, and yet we don't want to realize the victory ourselves in the real world. He freed us from bondage, and yet we hesitate to accept what that means in the world. You've given us the authorities. Jesus has given us the authorities, and yet we don't want to believe in it. We lock ourselves up into dead stone walls. We preach nothing. We listen to dead pulpits where we build a relationship with you based on how somebody who has little experience in the world or a little passion for the mystical side of of this faith to tell us how our relationship with you is. We have watched too many walk away from the true issues and horrors of this world, not willing to get engaged and involved. That's my heaviness of my heart, Father. And I know that like all things, you, there's so much more depth than what we can see. And I, I say that with great praise. I say that with great humility because I know that my voice is a small little snapshot of the massiveness of what you do. You never do things through one. There's always many more. And thank you, Father, because that reassures me in a deeper way, as I'm sure it does many others. But Father, please hear my prayer tonight. We pray for the binding of the evil against children. That I declare. That with all authorities given to us and from Jesus, however this fits in, whether it's the greater works than, than he, then I declare by the authorities given to us that we truly do bind this evil that's going after 
the children, that it can no more touch the children. I pray for this in just every bit of my heart and soul, that as evil approaches children, that not only is it rebuked, but, Father, that it becomes bound and that it ceases to be able to speak anything else other than the words, Jesus is Lord, and is cast out to the lake of fire. This is as a prayer of judgment. And, Father, I know that judgment is by your hand and not by ours, but nonetheless, this is the prayer. A mighty prayer, Father, for the saving of these children, but it's but something deeper, deeper. What we don't face, Father, is this, that we can pray for the children, we pray for their betterment, we pray for p- the people to wake up and realize the horrors of children, but this is the harsh reality. Parents are broken and people have closed their doors. If we today reveal the depths of horrors of these children, most people would not be willing to bring these children into their homes. Most people would not step out and extend a hand of love to help nurture these children as surrogate parents. That's a sad and sick statement to a nation. So my prayer, Father, for this nation is that that heart's of compassion for the children will be reawakened. That the tears that need to flow will finally flow to realize what we have allowed. That this nation needs to be shocked. It needs to be broken to its knees. And it needs to find that the only place it can turn is to you. To seek Jesus for forgiveness to return to the throne, but in the process, be awakened to the need, the empathy, the passion, and the desire to open the doors of their homes and their hearts and their minds and their lives to bring and welcome these broken children in so that we as a nation can heal. It's not one group under God. It's not nations under God. It's not, it's one nation under God. And there's so much of this. It's so deep. It is so massive. It is a stunning revelation, Father, when you can go to Navajo Nation, you can go to Black Inner inner City, you can go to Hispanic culture, you can go to white culture, you can go to any group in this nation, and they will speak of the same thing. Missing children, children that have been raped, children that have been tortured, children that have been abused, children that have been put on drugs, children that have been sex trafficked. And yet, we as a people don't want to look. So, Father, open our eyes. Force us to see How we choose to walk, we will always have free will. You've given us that. But my prayer tonight, Father, is to open up the eyes. Force this nation to see. No longer can we turn away. How we choose is now on us. That's how we shall be judged. But I pray tonight that the eyes will be opened. No more turning away. And it's in this hour that we will truly determine and realize who we are and whom we serve. Forgive us, Father, for walking blindly. 
We pray mercy on this nation for the sins that we have chosen to allow to continue and have swept under the rug. Forgive us, Jesus, for all that you sacrificed. We seem to have forgotten that we had a role in bringing this victory to the earth. And hear our hearts as well, Father. There is a remnant here, a remnant that has the heart and the love of the cross, a remnant that will give all as Jesus did and will serve you until our last breath. And for that, I pray strength, courage, and unwavering faith in a fearless fight against an enemy that in the end must be cast to the lake of fire to suffer the consequences for the destruction that it has done to the innocent and the little ones. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is just this whole issue we've talked about so long. When we first started talking about it, I, used to, I first started talking about it, it was like 2013, 2014. I'd seen it in Afghanistan back in 2008, 2006, in fact. And it was just to people would look at you with cross eyes. We've made progress in that level of being able to discuss it, but not enough. And Satan's army is still on the march. Our work is mighty that sits ahead of us. The mountain is tall. But if you have faith, true faith, the power of faith, and you're willing to listen to do as God guides and directs, you will accomplish that mountain, that climb. No matter your condition, no matter your mental state, no matter your financial issues, whatever's burdening you, God will take it off your shoulders. Put your heart and your mind where it needs to be. The number one fight we have ahead of us, the most pressing of fights are these children. And there is no more noble fight than that. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Get back in my body
Did you enjoy that quick little video? That was water being filled into a bucket. Just thought I'd throw you all and you'd be like, what happened? Did he go into the toilet? Not at all. We're going to get some good music going here in just a second. Here we go. Hang on just a sec here. <laughs> 